Hello and welcome to Into Lives of Women with me, your host, the Nairobi Feminist. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the importance of staying true to who you are and accepting yourself for who you are, really, regardless of what other people think. Today's guest is an amazing person and has gone through gender reassignment surgery. And I'll let them introduce themselves and we can carry on from there. Okay, hey, how you doing? Um, my name is Soki. I go by him. Um, I'm a trans man that, like, recently, I would say, completed my transition. Um, I'm a photographer. I'm a poet. Um, I'm a podcast host. I like to dip my hands in many different artistic facets. Um, and I'm happy to be here. Um, thank you so much for uh, for being here. You know. As we were discussing, I was I had mentioned that you know um, it's, it's I'm so happy for you that you've com- completed your whole transition, and I'd like to know what that journey has been like because I've been interacting with the with with the LGBTQ plus community in Kenya and here it's not we've started to there's so many organizations and now everyone is people are, can now finally dress as they as they want to and you know be who they are and a lot of people who mm-hmm. are still closeted um still struggling struggling to find out to express themselves and understand why they feel the way they do and express themselves you know you know it's like a, it's a struggle internally to be who you want to be but at the same time make other people around you comfortable or be the norm that society has always wanted you to be um what has your journey been like um honestly it's been a pretty long journey uh mainly because of like the stigmas of like going through a transition right because um i'm not sure how it is in kenya but in america it's more acceptable uh to be like gay or lesbian than it is to be like trans so my journey kind of like began on the safer aspect of things where like when I was about maybe like 14, I came out like as a lesbian. And so like it took me a while to like admit to my parents that I liked women, that I was interested in women. And then when I finally did, I didn't really get the reaction that I was expecting to get because what you hear a lot is like people put their kids out of their homes or they'll like alienate their kids from the rest of the family. And I didn't really experience that, but I was still very scared because I grew up like in a very Christian like household. Um, And so when I finally came out, I was still like pretty much being someone that I wasn't like still walking on a path that wasn't wholly me. Um, And I didn't completely decide that I was gonna step into who I am until probably like about two years ago and what was that for you like what was what made you fully decide this two years ago um because my instagram page used to be like uh here's to the kids who uh pretty much have struggled with self-identity and i got to a point where i felt like i was portraying a false person trying to uplift other people and it's like how can i try to um encourage other people to be themselves and i'm not being myself Um, So I was dating somebody at the time and 
I kind of like just asked them like how would they feel if I went through the transition and it was like they wouldn't be with me so it kind of like made me like ah uh, I really like this person like I, I felt like I was in love with that person um so I kind of like was like eh, maybe I won't but it like kept being this nagging feeling like you have to do you have to give yourself permission to be yourself in order to give other people permission to be themselves so um I ended up just getting to a point where I, I decided that I was going to do it and whatever repercussions came with it was something that I would have to face whenever those repercussions came. But I couldn't live a lie anymore. Like it began to like eat me up because I felt like a hypocrite. And that's to me one of the worst things to be. I love I love what you said. You know, a lot of the times, myself included, um, for this season that I just started, um, for me, the most important thing for me was being able to talk to people and interact with people and share stories um, of people with people that, you know, have, in a way, I've experienced in different aspects of my life. But one thing that I was struggling with before was a lot of the times when you're trying to help other people, you really don't really want to show how vulnerable you are in a specific moment or you don't mm -hmm. want to talk to the situation as if, you know, it's also you going through this or you have been through this and you really don't want to share it with other people. And I felt like this season has to be different. You know, if you want to have a conversation with people and expect them to share with you their lives, you have to be able to share your own truth and live your own truth as well. Because, you know, mm -hmm. expecting other people to be themselves and telling people to be themselves when you yourself are still struggling to be, you know, the person you're telling them to be is a bit hypocritical, you know? I agree. And it's very, like, um, a quote that I always, like, held on to from this movie is, like, our deepest fear is not that we are adequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it's like, we ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, uh, fabulous? And it's like, who are you not to be? And then it goes on to like wrap up by saying like, um, when you give yourself permission to shine, you undoubtedly give other people that permission too. And it's like, how can you expect a better world where people feel safe, feel free, feel comfortable in their own skin and you're not walking that walk and talking that exactly. talk and being that example. So, um, this, could I take, if, I, if I could take you back a little bit, um, what was, when did you discover that you didn't want or you didn't feel that you wanted to be a woman or you didn't feel like you were in the right body? Um, I can recall, like, situations as early as, like, three or four years old because I grew up I'm the youngest of like I grew up with two brothers in the house with me and I was the youngest and I used to tell them like I'm a boy and like they kind of like you know used to laugh it off and be like well, like what are you talking about but I always used to say that to my brothers and I even like went as far to tell them like when I get older I'm gonna have a sex change and like they pretty much like just made fun of me and like rubbed it off and as I got older I kind of like just conformed but yeah, as early, as early as like three or four, I just knew it was just something in me. Your mic is your mic has been muted. No, just now. <laughs> it was muted this whole time. 
Oh, yeah. It, it was just, um, yeah, as early as three or four. And then, like, when I began school, like, grade school, I began to, like, feel very uncomfortable, like, wearing dresses or, like, performing as a woman child was expected to perform and things like that. So I kind of, like, began to submerge my things and the things that my brothers did. So they played baseball, so I played baseball. My brothers played basketball, so I played basketball. Um, You know, a lot of the times people say um, members of any, anyone who identifies or is part of the LGBTQI community has become a member of the LGBTIQ plus community because of trauma. That's a lot of, and that's what a lot of people tend to think around here. It's either trauma or you're possessed or something like that. And we can pray it out of you. And, um, you know, as a three-year-old, I'm a mom myself and my daughter is nine years old and I have nephews and nieces. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can imagine, you know, when you're three years old and you just feel comfortable saying, you know, I feel like I am a boy and I want to be a boy and I want to express myself as a boy, you know, it can be, you know, you know what you're saying, but, you know, the people around you may, may take it as a joke until, you know, you're old enough to, they feel like you're old enough to have this discussion and say what you want to say. But you can imagine, it's not, if it's something that you've felt from young childhood and then you express yourself like you did and, you know, for so many other people, it's like, you know, why would you say that? Don't say that. Keep it to yourself. Um, don't share that with anyone else. Or I'll pray for you. Let me pray for you. And, you know, it there's a way that it can also make you hate religion because you have to fall within a line. You know, you have to fall, fall within a line in society as well. And in and for so many people who, like, you were brought up in a Christian home, so, much, so many other people are brought up in different religions, but at the same time, you know, religion says that you shouldn't judge people, you shouldn't let people be, and then all of a sudden this right. religion is being used against you, and then people mm-hmm. are, people tend to be, become God, and think as God would think. But you would imagine, what I'd like to say, everything in your life, is written out from the day you conceived like your life was already planned out for you and what you're living is just mm-hmm. what was written you know so if you can go through life thinking that you are in control of yourself or other people think that you know you each day is you're dependent on them or what you have to go through instead of literally thinking that you know there's a higher being who created me and made me the way i am why would you now feel that, you know, that I, he won't accept me for who I am? That's actually what I found, like, very a lot of solace in, like, when I was, when I first came out, like, as a lesbian to my parents. Um, I began to, like, study different major world religions for myself because I knew that that was uh, pretty much what people would try to hit me with. To like say like nah this is a phase or you don't really want this type of life and stuff like that so I began to study them and for me what I realized was that like the main portion of every religion is saying the same thing like love people treat them with kindness treat them with compassion like all of these ways to treat your neighbor and then what differs between each religion is the traditional practices so 
like as I got older and people would like try to use that and I was like so you're a Christian but haven't you read in the Bible that God works in mysterious ways how do you know that God isn't using me to teach you something exactly you know it's, it's I have a friend of mine who he's a he he's a trans uh he's a trans woman and the funny thing is every time you meet him he'll always say you know praise god god is good you know and it always shocks so many people because i don't know why they feel like there's a disconnect that because you choose to be a member of the lgbtq plus you can't say praise god you can't say i love god i'm a christian right. I'm a muslim you know you can't say that because they want you you you, it's like you don't belong so why would you even claim that you know and that's the funny thing. I think as humans we've gotten to a place where if it's not comfortable or it doesn't fit within our norms, we'll always it's something that we'll always hesitate towards, you know. But the funny thing is yeah, I mean, at the same time, you know, it doesn't mean just because you think something is wrong doesn't mean that you're going to change someone's beliefs because of what you think they should be doing, you know. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know, like, to be trans, you literally go so deep into yourself, very, like, more deeply than people who walk what we would call a quote-unquote normal life. Like, to get to the point where you're comfortable to walk, step out into the world, regardless of the hate that you may receive, like, the danger that you may literally be in, you go so far into yourself that I like to think trans people get very close to God. That's so true. Because, you know, also one thing about life is, you know, the more opposition you're faced with, the more, the harder times, the harder the times are for you, the closer you get to God. And that doesn't mean, yep. you know, and that's, and that's also a beautiful thing in itself. You can find him in your hardest times and he gives you comfort. Why mm-hmm. would it be wrong for you to exist as you are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I agree. And something I remember you uh, speaking about earlier was some people feel like that you become like a part of the LGBTQIA community because of trauma that you face. But something I always challenge people to think about is that typically when you're faced with trauma, there's a predator and a predator has already watched you, saw what you're about. Why can't it be that predators prey on people that are part of those communities? So you're already like that. And someone is picking up on the fact that you're different. It's something about you that's different. And they prey on you because of that. They extort that difference. And that's why you see so many people who have experienced trauma, a part of the LGBTQIA community, because they were literally preyed upon. It's, It's not a cause and effect. Like I was assaulted. So now I am going to be a part of this community. I was already a part of this community and I was assaulted because I'm a part of this community. Exactly. And I read a quote that said, um, to live in the body of a survivor is to, is to never be able to leave the scene of the crime. You know, you can't ignore mm. the fact that you live yeah. within yourself, you know, regardless. And, you know, it's one thing, uh-huh. you know, when you go through trauma, it, the, the thing that I'm learning is sometimes you can think that you, you know, first of all, you have to accept what's, going, what's happened to you. And then when you accept mm-hmm. what happened to you, you start to find your healing journey. 
And then along the way, we tend to think, okay, I'm healed. You know, it doesn't hurt me as much. It doesn't, I, I feel like I've, I've gotten over it. I'm done with it. Like it will never bother me again. But at the same time, you realize, mm-hmm. okay, it still affects me in different aspects of my life, you know. And you can imagine also that people within the LGBTQI plus community sometimes are hard, are hardest to each other. So you, you may think that where you're, you know, people may assume, okay, so they went through trauma, they became um, members of the LGBTQI plus community, and they, and now they, they found their place, you know. But at the same time, there are also aspects where the people within the same community make it even harder for you to exist. So it's like you're facing opposition from both sides. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people sure. don't even consider because you can imagine, you'd think that if I come out, um, like this, uh, there's a makeup artist called um, Nikki, and she decided to. Someone was black. A member was a member of the LGBTQI plus community was was blackmailing her because she hadn't come out to everyone that she was born a man, a boy, and she she later had surgery and all that, and she had to go on Ellen into the whole yeah. thing. And I was like, you know, that's someone you would you you know you confided in, you know, betrayal is right. betrayal across the board. You can't assume that, you know, people are different just because of you know, how they, how they identify and how, you know, people are people and that remains the same. It's hard for everyone. And it's not that it gets easier if you change, if you, you know, when people assume, oh, now you want to, you want to dress up as a woman or you want to dress up as a man and get these certain privileges, but you, you, they don't really, people don't really look and see how hard it is to exist. (laughs) Right. That's why I struggle with the idea that being, gay or lesbian or trans is a choice because it's like who would choose that who would choose like a life of danger consciously like trans women are getting killed every day who would choose that exactly you know and then you have to decide you know because i feel the hardest battle would be you know you know you're not safe and you know you're already in the worst position there is there could be but you still choose to show who you are regardless of that yeah because both honestly not being who you are can kill you they'll kill you quicker than somebody else killing you because you'll be living but dead inside and then you'd wonder why do people want to why would you want anyone to restrict themselves you know just Stop being yourself. You're being too much to us. I feel like it's because people are jealous that they they aren't able to be themselves. Because I remember when I used to be like very um I would say like a little transphobic myself and it was literally because like how dare you have permission to be yourself and I'm struggling. I guess you, that is true. And you end up hating a person because you feel like, oh, look at them. They're having the time of their yeah. life and I'm miserable. <laughs> but it's really not the case. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, isn't the case. Yeah. And it's sad, but that's the human. That's just, I think that's what our existence is. But in this chapter, I'm feeling like the most important thing that you can do is to just wake up and choose you every day. Every day. 
Yeah. When did you wake up and decide I'm going to choose me every day? And how how has that journey been for you? Um, when I decided to start therapy, um, in order to transition, so for my insurance to pay for me to get like top surgery or any type of surgery, I had to be diagnosed as having gender dysphoria. So I had to, at the time, see two therapists. So I like began to see a therapist and go through those steps and like kind of unpack like a lot of my why and prepare my mind for the transition. Um, and then once I got to a point of therapy where I could now start testosterone, because um, I kind of went back and forth. Like I was on the fence about starting tea because I was scared. Like, honestly, I was scared of how people would perceive me. I was scared of growing facial hair. I was afraid of my voice getting deeper, like all these things. But when I decided that that's actually what I wanted and I was able to be honest with myself and the people around me, and I took that step, um, I would say the first day I gave myself my shot, like I knew I was having top surgery soon, but the first day that I gave myself my shot, I was like, this, this is me. Like this, this is me. And pretty much I'm committed to the journey, like wherever it takes me. Did you- and like from that moment, every decision I made was pretty much reinforcing that. And did you did you have did you allow yourself to mourn or have give yourself like a goodbye a goodbye <laughs> goodbye party or goodbye conversation with yourself? Did you get to mourn yourself before you transitioned? Or? I don't I don't think I needed to. I I feel like I had been like mourning myself because I wasn't able to be myself. If that makes sense. Like, there wasn't really a little girl to mourn. Now that I've, like, transitioned, what I do now more is, like, sit with the little boy in me, you know? So, like, there wasn't really a little girl to mourn, but now I have to sit with him because I've denied him so long to, like, be seen, to be happy, like, to flourish, and now when you look at yourself in the mirror, are you able to see you for you? Yes. And before, uh, before yes. was it easier to, were you, were you able to truly look at yourself in the mirror before? I would say no. Like, I would never be able to look at myself in the mirror, like, unclothed. So, like, my face has always been a lot more masculine. Um, But, like, that's it. But now it's kind of like I I look at myself like I actually take my whole self in and I'm like yo like now I know it's just such the biggest feeling of gratitude to be completely honest. And you can say you feel whole now. Yes. Um. At what moment did you? What What was your? At what moment did you truly say okay? I feel like I am ready to love myself. When I told my mom that um, that my pronouns were he, him, his, and she was like kind of telling me like um, she accepts like she accepts that, but she's going to need time to understand that 
right? So my mom has to mourn the little girl that she thought she knew. But after having that conversation, because I was kind of like dreading it, after having that conversation, I was just like, like, yeah. It's a tough conversation to have, but it's one yeah. that has to be had. And um, it's, you know, it's part of being yourself. And, you know, it, it it's not a change that happens overnight where people will wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm so happy for you. And, you know. How are you right, doing? right, right. Especially your parents, like yeah. the people that raised you and walked you through, like the majority of your life, for you to tell them, like essentially, like you didn't, you never knew me. You feel me? Like that's that's tough. Like that's something they have to like literally swallow and like deal with their own guilt of feeling like, did I miss something? Like, what could I have done to help? Like, how much harm did this call you, cause you? Like, all of that, when you think about it. What could I change? Yeah, what could I have done to change it? Yeah. Like, all of that. Uh, who, who has been your number one support system throughout this journey? Have you been on this journey on your own? Have you had people around you, that, um, you know, that one person who's been with you from day one? Or have you found a, have you found family in strangers? I found community in my friends. Like my friends have literally been my biggest support system, and I didn't even know it. Like it's, it's so crazy. Like transitioning. Like after I had top surgery, everyone was just like sending me messages, like checking on me, and I didn't expect it. Like I knew I told them, and like they knew this was something I wanted to do, but it was like they were very invested in the process with me and I didn't even know it. And I found a lot of community and strangers and like people that I've known in other lifetimes that I wasn't necessarily in communication with that have like sent me so much love. Like I received so much love. What would you say to- And I would say my mom has been there from the beginning, uh, but like in her own way. Like, pretty much telling me, like, hey, if this is what you want to do, you know, like, you you have to be prepared for what's going to happen with it. Regardless of how she felt about it, she was still kind of like, okay. I can't hear you. No, I, I stopped talking. Oh. I was just saying, she was just like, hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, Family is important at the end of the day, and, you know, a mother's love is priceless. Um, what did I want to say? I even forgot the question I was going to ask. Um, what, what would you say to, um, to a younger version of yourself? If you could, um, like, go back in time to a specific age, in a specific time. Uh, I would go back to probably... Like when I was 12, my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I had like went to visit her and I'll never forget when she told me like, she was just like, she was like, you've grown into a nice young man. And it was like, probably one of the first times I ever felt seen by anybody. Um, And I would tell my younger self to hold on to that and to allow that to bring you comfort um, and to understand that 
she was once your pastor and she spoke this over your life. So there's nothing to be afraid of. That's that, that's really beautiful. Um, and what would you say to someone out there who is probably going through that struggle where they're still, maybe they're hating themselves for, you know, having the thoughts that they have, having the feelings that they have, having the body that they have, and not having the strength or the courage to just be themselves. Um, I would say keep going, like keep moving forward. In the moment that you see the sunlight right that wave, like because right now it wouldn't make sense for you to get in that transition because you you're not ready. But as soon as you see the sunlight and you feel you have the courage, to take that first step. And ride that wave. That's all you need is one step. Okay, and one more question. What is the one thing that got you through um, during your hardest times? And would you like to share one of the hardest moments in your life and how you were able to overcome it? Um, reading, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, one of the hardest moments in my life was uh, after a breakup, I had begun to equate my self-love and the love that she felt for me. And so when we broke up, there wasn't really any, there wasn't any love for myself. So I like didn't want to live anymore in all honesty. Um, and I was like thrifting and I stumbled upon this book that I saw my mom read once. It's called... Uh, 40 Nights I Cried or something like that. It's by Yanla Van Zandt. And so, like, I started to, like, go through the book and, like, read it. Like, help me slow walk myself back into love for myself. And understanding of, like, who I am and that I have a purpose in life. And it goes through, like, um, like different aspects. So, like, the first one, when you first open the book, it pretty much talks about like how your divine image of God, right? And then it like breaks down into like the meaning of love and reflection to your life, the meaning of faith, the meaning of passion, like the meaning of purpose. And it like goes through these different um, concepts throughout the 40 days. And like, as you read it, it, it tells you to like journal and write your thoughts and like write down the things that you hold on to and that you'll walk with throughout the day. So like reading that book helped me like slow walk myself back into love and put things into perspective, like about myself as a person and as a reflection of God. And it like honestly saved my life. Help always comes in the weirdest ways. You know, sometimes it could be a stranger, sometimes it's a book, sometimes, you know, it's it's always the, the most unexpected, unexpected thing that happens that makes you shift, you know, your thoughts and 
you know, makes you appreciate life and your journey a bit more. Sometimes you have to go through a breakup, you know, for you to realize that, you know, the sun still goes up every day. And at the end of the day, I have a new chance every day and I have to take it. Um, what's been the one lesson that you have learned on this journey that you wish you have, you would have known earlier on? That I wish I would have learned on my own? Earlier on. Oh, earlier on. Um, the importance of being present. So like, um, I spent a lot of time like feeling anxious or like worrying about the future or like revisioning my past and like the things that I've experienced. And when I realized like the importance of being present in this moment, like making a decision of this moment, what you want to happen in the future, um, it released like a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And it brought me like a lot of calmness. That's true. I think a lot of, like everyone has to get to a point in life where they learn to appreciate where they are at in this moment, in become present every day of their lives. Because, you know, it may feel like it's taking, you know, you might be in a season that feels like it's taking years and years and you look back and maybe 10 years after it's passed and you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I wish I was just okay with being in that moment at that time and accepting what I was feeling and going through the waves and, you know, enjoying what mm-hmm. I had at that moment. And I think it's something, it's a lesson everyone will learn eventually. Everyone has to get to a point where they feel that and they experience the importance of being present because one day it just becomes a memory. And the worst kind of memories yep. are the memories where you regret. I agree. What's been your one regret? Um, <laughs> my one regret. I would say not learning how to be um, more social when I was in college. Like I kind of reclused a lot. You said expound on that. Um, so when I was in college, like I stayed in my room. I didn't really join a whole lot of organizations. I didn't really interact with a lot of people. And so like towards my senior year of college, I ended up like trying to start doing that. And then that's when I like fell in love with photography, fell in love with poetry, like actually performing and writing and stuff like that. And I feel like if I would have taken advantage of those moments sooner when I first got to college, um, my transition would have happened a lot sooner. It wouldn't, I wouldn't have had to wait till I was like 27. It would have probably happened around 21, 22. Um, and I would be a lot more comfortable sharing my work in spaces. What 
What do you think was holding you back? The fear of what people thought of me, how I was perceived. And does it matter to you what other people think now? No. And how do you know that it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore? What what made you realize like okay, now I'm at this point and I realize that it doesn't it it doesn't affect me what anyone else thinks of me. Um right after I had top surgery, like I started to let my facial hair grow out and I returned to work without like shaving or anything and of course people were like looking and like trying to figure out like why I was missing so long, what was new or whatever. Um and I just realized like I didn't care. Like I was unaffected by what I thought people were thinking. Like no one said anything to me. It was just like kind of notice people look at you twice or do a double take. But I wasn't concerned with what they were thinking. I love that. It's been a lovely conversation with you and so many bits of wisdom have been shared and I hope that if there's anyone out there who's listening to this and maybe you know you're going through a hard time and you really don't have anyone to talk to um, you can always reach out to me and I'm sure they can also reach out to you yes for sure yes definitely and yeah you know in life I feel the most important thing is to ensure that no one feels that they're going through something and you're alone because we're so many people the chances the chances of the fact that you know I'm going through something that someone else has gone through before you know let's let's be there for each other let's share our experiences and what we've learned so that we know that we're not alone because life does get lonely and the only way to keep going is when you have that kind of support. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end the show? Um, um if anybody like wants to reach out or has questions, uh, my Instagram handle is at IB underscore two lyrical T O O L Y R I C A L. Um, I'm definitely here to use as a resource for any like transition process. Um, if you just have any like personal questions on how I knew I was ready, um, how I communicated my transition to other people, I'm definitely open to communicate and share that wisdom and knowledge. I would like to thank you for choosing to share your story with me, the Nairobi feminist and my audience. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And before you go anywhere, please make sure to subscribe so that you can catch all our content as we release it. I love you for listening. Goodbye for now. Then I will be feminist.